sweet, and then it'll be I news to you, so. but it's, I mean, al- it's alarming. A lot of times I don't think I know about these things, but then I find out that I do, so I don't know. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report. This is the podcast that nobody asked for, but if we weren't recording it, we would be having these conversations anyway. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for this evening. Uh, I'm Peter, and uh, how's it going? (laughs) And Ryan is giving us the thumbs up, being our silent partner for the night. So I feel like... We, I wanted to trim the fat a little bit on the show. I felt like we were kind of being heavy in some areas and light in some areas, and I felt like we were kind of rushing through news a little bit. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to do, Peter, is I wanted to kind of concentrate on only a couple news stories, and then maybe we can dive a little bit deeper into some stuff yeah. and have a more in-depth conversation about something. Right. And then, so I was like, that was a great idea I had. And I, you know, started making notes and building the show, and then all this news hit. So... <laughs> We have a couple things that we're going to try and save for next week if we don't get time, but we're going to be talking about this stuff anyway, so who cares? Yeah. Before we get to the news, um, have you watched anything this week? What are we looking at? Uh, yeah, so I actually watched a really awesome movie last night. Uh, it's called Loving Vincent. Are you familiar? Either of you guys familiar with this movie? I know of it. I have okay. not seen it. So the movie Loving Vin- Vincent is, uh, for th- if you... Think you might have heard it. It's the Vincent Van Gogh movie that came out last year. Right. So this is a uh, very unique movie that is animated, and every frame of the movie is an individual oil painting that was isn't painted this, by. <coughs> isn't it Wes Anderson? No, it's. I think it was actually made overseas. Um, like oh I know no it's, no, it was nominated for. Um, it was best nominated animated. for Best Animated yes. Film for the Oscars last year. Exactly, yeah. Yes, yeah. that's how I know of it. So, yeah, every uh, frame of this movie is an individual oil painting made by, like, over 100 artists. Uh, visually, this is one of the most beautiful films I think I've ever seen. It's every scene of the movie, it just kind of dances. Like, the way it's painted, because it's in that uh, Van Gogh, impasto kind of paint painterly style... Every frame of this movie has this weird kind of shimmery dance to it that you watch it. Um, But what I was actually surprised about was the story was really good, too. So I thought the movie was going to kind of be a biopic about Van Gogh's life. But it's actually about a man who is uh, tasked with delivering Van Gogh's last written letter to his brother after Van Gogh's death. And so when this man is trying to deliver this last letter and trying to hunt down Van Gogh's brother, he gets drawn into the mystery about Van Gogh's death because the official story is Van Gogh murdered or committed suicide. But when you dig deeper into it, there's a lot of crazy stories that there might have been somebody else involved in the... Uh, village that he was living in when There's he passed always away. Someone so, else involved. So, it's <laughs> sorry. Overall, it's a really interesting movie. I kind of feel like it should have been nominated for best picture. Like when I was watching it, I was like, "This is a best picture movie." Like acting, visually, so, musically, it's all amazing. It's I, funny that you say that. Yeah, and because we're gonna talk <laughs> about the Oscars here in a little bit. Yes, 
uh, and I have a point to add. So remember you said that. Right. Um, or I'll try and remember that you said that. But when we get to yeah. our Oscar story, um, <laughs> we have an update on that. So definitely. anything else on Van Gogh? Um, no, I, I think you definitely can check it out. The only warning I would give is if you don't do well with um, maybe strobe lights or flashing col- colors. No. Like there's a lot of movement on the screen. So <laughs> if you don't do well with that, you might want to so avoid it. So epilepsy warning? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. But if that's not an issue, it I give it a five out of five like sure. i thought it was great awesome so. all right well we'll come back to that when we talk oscars uh i didn't really watch anything this week i had actually mm-hmm. a busy um lapse of time but something i wanted to talk about last episode which i completely forgot about was i watched the arrival Finally. okay it took way too long to the, watch arrival the arrival with charlie sheen or just not, arrival. Okay. Not the arrival with Charlie Sheen. <laughs> arrival with Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. Right, right. Uh, it took me way too long to watch this movie. Um, bottom line, it was a fantastic movie. Like, well, super well shot and everything. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about was the idea of how the the, the language barrier between okay. us and the aliens. That's something that really caught my attention. Uh, the... I love. There's a scene in the beginning where Jeremy Renner says, "Oh, by the way, spoilers because I'm going to talk about this." <laughs> there's a scene where Jeremy Renner, who's a physicist, talks. He's reading a paper that Amy Adams wrote, and he says, "I think it's interesting that you say that language is the cornerstone of like human civilization." And he goes, "You're wrong. It's actually science." Mm-hmm. And she just kind of smirks <laughs> because a couple scenes later, you're going to find out that Jeremy Renner was wrong, and it really is language is the cornerstone. Hmm. of civilization have you seen the movie i haven't seen it i've only heard good things but basically long story short if you haven't if you've seen the trailer you know this some aliens land all over the planet Mm -hmm. well amy adams is a linguistics and she's brought in she's a linguistic what's the what's the term i'm thinking of um a linguist she she, thank you (laughs) (laughs) thank you i don't know why i was blaming that she um she's brought in because she's like top of the field Mm -hmm. um advisor here so she comes in and then jeremy renner comes in because of science and they're teamed up and they take him to the aliens to try and communicate well jeremy renner's all in the science thing but amy adams understands that the ultimate question is why have you come to earth well if we can't talk to them we have to we have to find a way to talk to them to get to have the science conversation but you can't have the science conversation if you can't understand each other so there's a lot of stuff where she gets the aliens to talk, but she has to learn their language, and they have to learn her language, and they start to communicate. Hmm. And there's these flashbacks, which could be not flashbacks, which kind of give insight to stuff later on in the movie, and then you find out there's a time travel element to it, which I thought was really cool. I don't want to ruin the movie for you now <laughs> that I know you yeah. haven't seen it, but... Um, the idea of what language was actually being used for made me think, is there a chance that something hidden like that is in our language and we never knew about it? Interesting. <laughs> now, I feel, like, I feel like I gotta spoil the movie for you at this point. Um, but there's something that the language, the alien language can do. There's a tool embedded into the language. Mm-hmm. And Amy Adams realizes what it is. But it makes me wonder, what's really hidden there that we're not seeing in our own right. And maybe that was the social commentary that the directors and writers were trying to get across that there's stuff already around us that we don't know. And we should be looking deeper into our own civilization for that kind of stuff. It was really cool. Mm -hmm. My only beef with the movie is I feel like it was wrapped up just a little too easily in the end. Mm -hmm. So kind of anticlimactic in a way, but 
overall, I really liked it. Okay, interesting. So, yeah, it yeah. sounds sounds awesome. I'll have to yeah. check it out. But yeah. All right. So since that was an Oscar Oscar nominee, and Loving Vincent was an Oscar <laughs> nominee, let's jump to our Oscar update. Sounds great. <laughs> so we talked about the Oscars. <laughs> In, uh, adding a category for movies, the achievement and most popular film, and we're like, oh, hey, look, this is the actual new best picture because it's movies that people actually care about. This topic has gotten a lot of heat and criticism, and the Oscars is now backpedaling and pulling the category from the award show. <laughs> yeah, I heard, <laughs> I heard about this. So when you said Loving Vincent should have been nominated for a best picture... Mm-hmm. This is a category that is kind of counterintuitive to it, right? So yeah. here's here's me looking at it from one side of the coin. You have these movies that are nominated for whatever awards they are. However, if it's nominated for... So, like, I'm stumbling over my thoughts, but let me back up. Beauty and the Beast, the animated film, when it was released, it was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. At the time, there was no Best Animated category. It was just nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Well, someone said, well, animated films, after that, it didn't win, but after that, someone said animated films need their own category. So now animated films have their own category. So now no animated film can be nominated for Best Picture because they have their own category. Yeah. So now, with this most popular film category, everyone's worried that if something like of a massive achievement should be nominated for a best picture won't get the recognition for sure yeah you know i mean look at a movie like okay so like district 9 got nominated for best picture it didn't win but it got nominated amazing movie but now with that kind of a category district 9 most likely would land in the most popular film category as opposed to the best picture category right yeah it's it's really interesting i've heard about there's been fact or uh backlash with people saying you know why are you ignoring blockbuster movies in the first place every movie should have the same right footing and well there's the argument of the art house films and there's the argument of the blockbusters that are making the money mm-hmm. no one goes into a movie thinking let's make a bad movie right <laughs> so they all need to be counted but i'm gonna go into these blockbusters look at the dark knight I would have to go and fact check, and I know someone on the internet is going to tell me if I'm wrong, but I think The Dark Knight was actually nominated for Best Picture. But it won the award for Best Supporting Actor for Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. It's the only comic book movie to release in the past 10 years to do any of that. So, that's but that, but that movie, even though it's a comic book movie, looks like an art house film. Yeah. Like, when you watch it, it looks like one of the art house films. So it it kind of transcends that. But it doesn't mean that these other comic movie movies aren't doing it. So, I mean, uh, Iron Man 1 came out the same year as Dark Knight. And Iron Man 1, in my opinion, is just as good. But it wasn't going to get the recognition just because of the how Dark Knight was made. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into the best picture category, but in my opinion, you need to Yeah. It's I'm like I have like such a hard time forming an opinion about this because I originally thought the category was cool. Um and I know like I said on a previous episode that I felt like Hollywood was kind of doing some damage control getting away from some of the scandals that have been going on this past year, but I just 
I mean, I guess I just feel like innovation should be rewarded, whether it's a blockbuster movie or if it's an indie art house film. But I mean, that's not to say there shouldn't be an animated movie category. Oh, I think there's. I think there's. I still think there should be an animated movie category, but (laughs) if the movie deserves best picture nomination, it shouldn't be hindered to just having its own award category. It still should be allowed to be nominated for best picture. Mm -hmm. So, if you want to do most popular film, great. (laughs) And if it's all predicated on box office, we all know Infinity War wins. Mm -hmm. You know, exactly. But if we're looking at like filmmaking, I right now don't think Infinity War is the best picture of the year. Like, I know we talked 2018 movies for our first episode, but if we were to go now and say, hey, some movies have released, let's revisit the list right now. Mm-hmm. Infinity War probably still makes my top five, but I don't say it's my favorite movie of the year. Yeah. So, yeah, but we'll be, we'll be revisiting I mean, that I, list at the end of the year anyway, so. I feel like it really just keeps, the more we come back to this topic, it just keeps kind of showing how award shows have a lot of politics going on, and a lot of it's not necessarily rewarding the best picture necessarily as opposed to the best right well it's the best way to divvy up robin williams is the perfect example of a politics award to happen Mm -hmm. he did not win he was nominated for best supporting actor playing the genie in Aladdin. aladdin did not win the following year, they gave him an honorary award for some other movie he was doing, and he's like, why did I get this? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he, I think yeah. that was part of his acceptance speech. Like, I'm not sure why I got this, but thanks. Yeah. Like, you know, so there's a lot of politics in award shows, but we'll see how this plays out. Right now, they're pulling back. Yeah. I don't know what that means, so. I think it's interesting that there's backlash, because that kind of flew right over well i agree i agree with the fact that if you give the movies their own category then they never have a chance to be a best picture yeah when in reality they very well could be the best picture yes yeah so which is like like how i said loving vincent in my opinion should have been a contender for best picture but i think it like you said it might have been pigeonholed into being just an animated film instead of recognized for all that it was so well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, with movies in mind, um, we talked about the James Gunn situation and Hollywood scandal backlash and whatnot. <laughs> For since sure, we'll yeah. segue into that. Since yes. See, we're getting better at segues. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a James Gunn update, and this is very alarming, in my opinion. Do you know what I'm talking about? Not necessarily. Okay. Go on. So, James Gunn, as we all know, got fired from Disney. He was the director, writer and director of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He gets fired from Disney. The cast freaks out and sent, sends this open letter to the executives saying, we're not doing this movie without James Gunn. Then mm-hmm. Dave Bautista says, he's, you know, if we're doing this without James Gunn, it better be James Gunn's script. And then Dave Bautista said he's going to quit. Yeah. And then he's also saying he's not afraid of Disney firing him. Like, yeah. he's kind of taking it to a whole new level. But James Gunn started getting approached by other studios Long story short, that's where we are today. Here's the alarming news that recently broke. The actors have all been released from their contracts until further notice. Okay. To me, that's scary. They were told that they can go pursue other opportunities until further notice. Mm -hmm. So does that mean we're getting a Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Does that mean... I mean, Marvel's in a position where, hey, if you don't like what's going on, it doesn't matter because we have another movie coming in a couple weeks. (laughs) So, what I do know is that Guardians of the Galaxy 3 had no schedule. It's not on the schedule yet. Yeah. So, there wasn't, like, a timetable that it needed to be released. And 
which means it's kind of completely unaffected to what happens with Infinity War. Right. But with all of that nonsense, that kind of worries me that we could very well not get a Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah, I'm thinking it could either mean, A, the studio doesn't know what they want to do, so they're just kind of putting it on an indefinite indefinite hiatus. Well, Disney doesn't want to... They fire James Gunn for the situation, and all this nonsense starts happening, and then... Warner Brothers goes, well, we'll take James Gunn. Yeah. And then now Disney's probably scared going, well, hold on. We don't want to lose this guy. Mm-hmm. But they already let him go. So what are you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. what are you supposed to do with that? Mm-hmm. The, the other ish idea, idea I was thinking of is what if by putting all the, uh, by canceling all the actors' contracts, maybe it's a way of them weeding out the troublemakers. Well, I don't know if they've canceled the contracts. Right. I think they've said, do what you need to do. Okay. Like, if Chris Pratt's like, well, I don't want to film this because of the schedule for Guardians of the Galaxy, i got to wait to find out what's going on. Right. I think the studio's going, look, if you need oh, to go I... shoot a movie because you have to pay your bills, it's your yeah. job. Because I was thinking it was a way of saying, like, you guys are all, we're all, we're going to cancel your contracts for now, and then they're just going to re-sign the people who are going to still play ball. But somebody like Batista, who's raising a stink because they fired James Gunn, they're like... Okay, we just won't rehire him, and we'll recast the Rock to play Drax or something like right. that. Or they'll write but out the character. They'll find exactly. some way of doing it. Which spoilers they could do very easily after Infinity War. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, I mean, the what, the way you phrased it makes me feel like the studio's respecting the actors and saying we're not going to string you along. Yeah, I think it, I think it really is. Look, stuff. if you need to go work on this movie to pay bills. Great. Yeah, you know, and uh, like I love the Guardians movies. I really enjoy all the actors involved. I so I wouldn't want to see anybody tied up in some weird behind the scenes pre production right. mumbo jumbo for years. Um, right. If you ever like followed the development of the Hobbit movies, uh, you'd find out that Guillermo del Toro was stuck in like pre production for the Hobbit for years and wasn't able to work on anything until he just quit, and then they got Peter Jackson yeah. to do it. So. It's good to see a situation like that get avoided. Right, exactly. So hopefully this works out in the end and we do get our Guardians of the Galaxy 3. If not, well, I here's my thing. If they're not going to bring in... If they're not going to use James Gunn and everyone's willing to work under the idea that, hey, we're still going to use the James Gunn script, bring in the guy... I, I always blank on his name because I don't really fully understand how to pronounce it, but whoever did Thor Ragnarok... He'd be, in my opinion, yeah. the next best person to take that. Taiko Watiti. Yes, yeah. he'd be the next best person to jump on that. So, yeah, for sure. But use the James Gunn script. Mm-hmm. Because it sounds like most of the actors are like, look, you got to use what James Gunn was doing because he he create, he he set a language for us. He set a tone of what we're supposed to be in the Marvel corner. And at this so. point, I feel like if Disney used James Gunn's sp- script, it could be a way of appeasing both sides of the argument and saying like we did get rid of these this guy for the people who don't like him but we're using his script as just his last contribution to the mcu for the people who do like him so right. that could be a good move to make i think you'd be able to keep a lot of your actors happy as well as the fans so. right so yeah that's james gunn we'll as <laughs> as things uh, develop we'll report back on it because i'm really curious now that <laughs> now hearing that made me go who yeah let's see what happens so, with the concept of paying bills, I need to make a correction. Fair enough. 
last episode we talked about highest paid actors in Hollywood. Yes. And we talked about the top five. Okay. And I made a mistake by saying what they're paid per movie. Upon reevaluating my stuff, I realized on my own that I made the mistake. I should have said what they made for the year. Oh, okay. <laughs> very <laughs> very so different. George okay. Clooney making $239 million a movie, it's $239 million for the year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Robert Downey Jr. made $81 million. He only made two movies that year. I mean, that's Which is still insane. a boatload yeah. of money, but... You know, I just wanted to quickly say, hey, you know, I made a mistake. I was wrong. My bad. <laughs> or I misspoke. I'm not entirely sure. But I realized I said it. Like, listening yeah. back to the episode, I realized I said it. and was like, ooh, I definitely worded that wrong. So it's, I, I just mean, wanted to make there a correction before I get an email. It's. So. I mean, it's good to make those corrections. But I think most of our commentary on that subject would remain pretty much, pretty the, much same. the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so this yesterday we had some news. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was kind of interesting. There was a uh, tweet sent out by Brie Larson to Entertainment Weekly that said, Hey, Entertainment Weekly, I'm bored. Would you like to break the internet? <laughs> and then they released a whole bunch of pictures for the Captain Marvel movie. For sure. Uh, Entertainment Weekly will be releasing an issue of their magazine. It'll have Brie Larson as Captain Marvel on the cover and then a bunch of photos from uh, mm-hmm. the film itself. Now, before we talk about the pictures, I want to talk spoilers for a second, because do you think uh, these pictures are spoilers? Uh, depends on how much you want to avoid spoilers. So, so let me... <laughs> so, so let me... So, to an extent, but I wouldn't necessarily right. say so. So, Not there's, to me. there's one picture that I think is a spoiler... But I'll get to that picture in a second. The reason I asked this is that if some mo- trailers are actually kind of considered spoilers because you're going to go see a movie, you're sitting in the theater waiting for the movie to start, yes. and then they roll the trailers, and you're just like, wow, that movie looks great, I'm going to go see it. And some of them are like, oh man, I wish that mm-hmm. was not in the trailer. Like, for example, Thor Ragnarok <laughs> has the Hulk in it. If you didn't know the Hulk was in the movie, spoiler by the way, <laughs> if you didn't know the Hulk was in the movie, the trailer ruined the moment. Exactly. So technically there are, you know, the there's spoilers within trailers and we understand that and they're trying they're just trying to market the movie and make you excited to see it, right? Exactly, yeah. However, some people take it to the next level where they say, Oh, the pictures are spoilers. Or you're going into the movie blind, but you're excited to see the movie, you don't want to see anything. I've so, always felt I've always felt that if I see a picture of the character wearing the costume, like we talked about the Shazam costume a few episodes ago. Yes. Seeing Zachary Levi in his Shazam costume did not spoil the movie for me. <laughs> for sure. So now, now I do have an I do have a preconceived knowledge of knowing the comic books and knowing what Shazam looks like. Yes. So I was like, oh hey, he looks like Shazam. <laughs> or with the Captain Marvel picture, oh hey, I know what Captain Marvel looks like before I look at that picture. Yes. So and notice I'm avoiding saying what the picture looked like. <laughs> exactly. So, so but you to see me, what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, these are all, like right now we're talking about superhero movies, which a lot of us grew up reading comic books and right. watching cartoons of, so we know all about them. But, okay, let me shift gears. Well, oh, so go I, what I was going to say is, I don't want to interrupt at you, a ahead. certain point, um, 
at a certain point, you re- it's like, how are you going to know if you even want to see the movie? If you like, uh, are avoiding any po- potential information, are you <laughs> judging the movie by the title? There is, is that, the title going to be point. a spoiler at there some is point? That point. All right, are you going to show up to the movie and say, I want to go see the random let me th- sci-fi movie I heard about that's coming out this right. week? Like, <laughs> let, me, let me add another layer to this. So my friends who watched the Marvel movies for the first time very recently, yes. that we've talked about a couple of times, I got a. I, I sent him a text saying, "Hey, Entertainment Weekly just released some photos for Captain Marvel. If you're interested, yes. If you don't want spoilers, you don't have to read the article. I just thought you'd like to see some of the pictures." <laughs> right. And the response I got back from one of them was, "But wait, I don't know anything about the character. Do you think I should go to the movie blind, or do you think this will ruin the movie for me?" <laughs> <laughs> Which I completely understand yes, that yeah. point. My thinking was, so let's take comic books out of it for a second. There's a new Star Wars movie coming out. Yes. So, like, before The Last Jedi was coming... Oh, no, before uh, Force Awakens was coming out. Yeah. Or jump back to 2015. We're ramping up to Force Awakens. We haven't seen anything yet. And they decide to post on the internet, hey, here's a picture of what the new TIE fighter will look like. Yes. Some people thought that was a spoiler. Okay, well, if you know anything about Star Wars, (laughs) you know that there's TIE fighters in Star Wars. (laughs) Yes. So a picture of a TIE fighter, in my opinion, doesn't ruin anything. Anything about the movie? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean every or Star like, Wars movie hey, I've there's seen, a, there's been tons of promo images. Of right, exactly. Or they're releasing a Star Trek out. film, and they're like, "Hey, does anyone want to see what the new Enterprise is going to look like for yeah. the new movie? Is that really is a picture of the new Enterprise really going to ruin the movie for you? Yeah. I really, I don't know because it's going to be on all the marketing. You're not going to be able to walk through the theater without seeing it on the movie poster. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. not entirely sure where you draw the line, so I guess the best way of saying this is whatever you consider a spoiler, do your best to avoid. I, do you know I what mean, I mean? I would say, I mentioned this on our very first episode, is if we start talking about Captain Marvel and you don't want to know about it, maybe just skip ahead. That's a good point. I mean, obviously, You've been warned. Spoilers. <laughs> obviously we won't be talking about more than what the general public knows well, in the movie before it comes out. So, so. since we can't really describe it's not easy to describe some of these pictures because there's a lot of people listening yeah. to this are comic book fans anyway here's how i'll word it i'll just be discreet in my descriptions for the sake of these pictures because <laughs> there's not okay. much you can get out of these pictures for most of them you know i mean there's a picture of brie larson who plays captain marvel in her captain marvel costume he- and she looks like captain marvel like if you were to open up a captain marvel comic book right now brie larson looks like captain marvel yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you really want to know, Google it. Look, you know, go to yes. your local comic book store, find Captain Marvel, and yeah, you know, she, that's, yeah. What, that's what she looks like. For sure. Uh, there's a photo of Brie Larson, like, poking her head out of a fighter jet. Yes. Well, great. I don't, aside from knowing a little bit of Captain Marvel's backstory, I don't know really what that scene's about. So it's mm-hmm. not really ruining anything for me. You know? <laughs> exactly. There is a picture of the Skrulls. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, the, that's the one that I thought would have been a spoiler. I didn't think so. because the Interesting. S- okay. The only reason I say that is because all, character, all comic book characters have villains that you expect. Batman okay. has the Joker. Spider-Man has the Green Goblin, uh, Iron Man has the Mandarin, you know what I mean, Captain right. America and the Winter Soldier, Red Skull. Mm-hmm. There's Characters have their villains that are known for those characters. Captain Marvel has always been kind of, the Skrulls have always been there in the Captain Marvel comic book. So when they say we're doing Captain Marvel, I was expecting Skrulls. 
Yeah. You know, that's not that... I didn't think that was a big deal. There's another picture I won't talk about just because of the spoiler thing is there's a character in a picture right. that made me um, kind of alarmed. Like, wow, they. I'm surprised they showed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the scrolls look like scrolls. I mean, the lighting is not the best because it's not a finished thing. It's more of a set photo than anything else. But I, I agree. They look I like think um, their outfit. I was hoping maybe you would look a more a little bit more similar to the comic books, but overall, I can't complain too right. much. Well, so outfit. Yes. X Men Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Okay, the movie. Everyone, the first set photo that released of Apocalypse. Yes. They all said he looked like Ivan Ooze from Power Rangers. <laughs> exactly. But I kind of looked at that going, well, it's a set photo. The lighting's probably not right. Mm-hmm. And then later when you saw the movie, everything looked fine. I think Because the lighting, a, I think, was... I know. think that was an Entertainment Weekly photo as well. <laughs> it probably was. Correctly. Um, and do you, do you know what the comparison is for the Skrulls that they've been showing? No. So everybody's comparing the Skrulls to... Uh, the way the character Piccolo looked in Dragon Ball Evolution. I don't oh. know if you've seen, <laughs> have you seen that, but uh, it's, sure. that's kind of the, the new Ivan Ooze like way to jab at it. But, I mean, overall, I think the pictures look pretty good. I think uh, from a co- costume design level, I was thinking maybe Captain Marvel's costume would look a little less tactical and a little more like some of the comic book versions, but overall, I think they look pretty good, you know? Sure. Uh, yeah, so I I think the pictures look great. I was excited to see the movie regardless. Yeah, you know, we, I was ex- when she when Brie Larson made that sent that tweet saying she wanted to break the internet. I was expecting a trailer. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody <laughs> was. But. The photos are great. I'm glad we saw them. I was just <laughs> expecting a trailer. They were definitely so. a big talking piece for a lot of people out there, though. And right, maybe the breaking of the internet was complaining that there's no trailer to be seen. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Um, I did notice that. In my personal feed, when I listen to people talk and they're like, I didn't see that at all on the internet. Yeah. It's because my personal social media is all predicated on stuff that I want to look at. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all comic exactly. book and video game and, you know, and uh, movie news and all that stuff. So <laughs> I see all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, man, no, everyone couldn't stop talking about it. <laughs> yes. So then I have those that corner of my life where people are like, what are you talking about? I didn't see that at all. <laughs> so sure. I'm like, well, we're clearly looking at different things on the <laughs> internet. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I thought the pictures looked good. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did actually just think of something going back to the what we were talking about, our pictures, our promo pictures, spoilers for the movie. I feel like if it's something that could show up on the movie's poster, you can't consider it a spoiler because you're going to see that poster walking into the that's, movie. That's interesting, so. and I'm going to throw I'm gonna throw back at you <laughs> a little bit. I'll throw, back, okay. throw this back at you just a second. Last Jedi's movie posters, there were two of them. There was a light side Jedi, Last Jedi poster and a dark side yes. Last Jedi poster, and Luke Skywalker was on both. So, with that being said, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say about your statement you just made. If it's on the poster, it can't be considered a spoiler. Yeah, well, so. I mean, it just goes to the same thing. Are you going to walk into the theater with tel- tunnel vision, like not staring at any poster? I, I know people that do that. <laughs> so, But here's the thing. Promo images are fun because they can't tell you anything because it's all speculation. Trailers are exciting because they just want to get you into the movie. So, yeah. All right. Do you want to save this for next episode, or do you want to talk about it a little bit? It's up to you. All right. There's <laughs> one more thing we wanted to talk about because this has gotten interesting. Uh, we'll take a couple minutes and talk about it. So Justice League released in theaters. 
and then Blu-ray, and everyone has kind of gone a little crazy because we learned some things about the movie since the Blu-ray's release. Mm -hmm. So if people don't know, Zack Snyder directed Justice League, but his near the very tail end of everything, movie's done, final editing phases, Zack Snyder's daughter um, passed away, became a family emergency. Zack Snyder pulled himself out of the movie saying, I can't finish this. I have to be with my family. And they brought in Joss Whedon to finish Justice League. Joss Whedon directed Avengers. So we thought to ourselves, great. Joss Whedon's going to come in and help out. And he already knows superhero stuff. Great. Mm -hmm. Joss Whedon changed the movie. Right? He ordered a bunch of reshoots, changed a lot of stuff, cut some things out of the movie. And as we've learned about things coming people have started demanding the original Zack Snyder cut of the film. Exactly. Now, if you watch Man of Steel and then Batman Superman and then Justice League, those three movies are a trilogy. If you take out Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman, those three movies, I think, were meant to be a trilogy. Mm -hmm. So now everyone's demanding a Snyder cut. Right? With that said, like it's, getting, it's kind of getting ugly because they did this... Uh, they did this live chat on DC's website and a whole bunch of people like swarmed it saying to give us the Snyder yeah, cut. Give us yeah. the cut of the film Zack Snyder was going to release. There's been talk of there is no Snyder cut and there's been talk of there is some a Snyder cut. So do you have any thoughts on this? Because at this point, um, I don't feel cheated, yeah. but I really want to see it. So um, since Man of Steel, I've been pretty invested in the DC extended universe as it was called up until recently um i love i really love these movies um before batman v superman came out i followed it pretty extensively that being said i also followed justice league pretty closely if you were paying attention before the movie came out they did mention that snyder did show a version of the movie to warner brothers execs this is a thing that was announced on the internet and at the time, Warner Brothers execs gave it a thumbs up, and that's pretty much all you knew. Next thing you hear is that uh, Joss Whedon was coming on to finish things up. So looking at that, I feel like there is some form of a, Z of a Zack Snyder cut. I don't know how finished it is. I don't know how polished it is. Right. A lot of the special effects might not be done, but he did have a complete enough version to show the Warner Brothers execs enough for them to give it a thumbs right. up at and the this, time. And this, so. makes, and this is very similar to the situation with Richard Donner in the original Superman films, Christopher yes. Reeve. Superman 1 and 2 were shot back-to-back. -back. Mm -hmm. You probably know a little bit more than I do, but Superman 1 and 2 were shot back-to-back, -back, and then they had to bring in another director to finish it. Exactly. And then, so Superman 2 isn't really Richard Donner's movie because they changed a bunch of stuff, and then yes. later they would release their Donner cut. Of the yeah, and, and that, yeah, well, that's the thing is, years later they did release Donner's original cut of Superman 2, so it's something that's happened before. Um, my policy, my, like, personal policy with this stuff is I just always want there to be more, like, as many versions of, as possible of something. Like, oh, sure. If there's a director's release, cut, release. I would rather watch the director's cut. Yeah. If I there's mean, any, like, if there's any, hey, this is a version of the movie with more stuff in it. Exactly. Or at least have it there, and maybe you watch it and you don't prefer that version, but I Blade like Blade Runner aside, because there. I think there's, like, 20 different versions <laughs> of Blade Runner For sure, out there. yeah. But, um, but, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean... 
to me, it just the more stuff that's released, even if it's multiple versions of the same thing, it just it creates a richer cultural landscape for us to pick and choose from and have our personal favorite versions. And I think it's awesome. Just if it's if the Snyder Cut exists, I want them to release it from just that standpoint alone. So sure. Well, uh, one yeah. So yeah, we'll. Uh... <laughs> that makes the Snyder Cut, yeah. you know what I mean? So let's see what happens with that. Um, honestly, I hope it eventually gets released. For sure. So save that. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so let's move on to our list for the week. Sounds great. Um, Do we have a listener email? Oh, we did have a listener email. I'm sorry. Thanks, Ryan. I should probably have brought that up at the <laughs> beginning of the show. Uh, we actually have our first email. I'm not used to getting listener emails, so my bad. Our one listener decided to write it. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes, we have a listener. His name's Adam. He sent in an email about, we were talking about Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull mm-hmm. um, on our Spielberg episode. And he says that, okay, Crystal Skull, Indiana Jones specifically references the fact that his father had died. So when you were talking about the immortality, right? Um, so we, I said I said that Indiana Jones didn't he, he didn't he, he crossed the seal they left right. the cave exactly and that was the indication. Well, yeah, for sure. But then in Crystal Skull, his father died, but his father also drank from the cup. So there's no way they're immortal. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So so that should dispel rumors of the Grail granting permanent immortality beyond the seal in the cave. Okay. All right. Um. So. I freely admit that, first of all, I've never even seen the entire movie of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Secondly, while I do really enjoy Indiana Jones, I'm not an expert on it. Drew, I know you know a lot more about it than me, so... Well, I just... Sure, I just was like, hey, that's a good point. I, I freely allow people to call me out where it's needed, so yeah, no, no worries. So the next part of his email, he talks about, he brings up the issue of the refrigerator scene where, like, he gets in the lead line refrigerator to avoid the nuclear bath blast. And then, okay. So he says, time and distance shielding, these are, these three things will save you in a nuclear blast. Time, distance, and shielding. Okay. He was shielded by the lead in the fridge for a short duration, then rescued rapidly and scrubbed. Nuclear exposure time was nil, and he was not at ground zero, so the effects of the radiation were minor. Fair, right? <laughs> this is the part that makes me laugh because he has this all written in caps. What he would have, what he would not have survived, was being thrown four football fields by the force of the blast wave <laughs> inside a refrigerator. The G forces alone would have killed him, if not mentioned. If not to mention the multiple tumbling impacts on the ground. End rant. <laughs> Love the show. Can't wait for more. Oh, nice. <laughs> so thanks, Adam. Here's what I'll say. Uh, I like to suspend the <laughs> issue of uh, disbelief. And, you know, they, they gave me the explanation for the nuclear, uh, the nuclear yeah. radiation. So <laughs> I will um, enjoy that for what it is and uh, take it at face value. Yeah, also. Indiana Jones originally Spielberg and Lucas went in trying to make a B movie. <laughs> they were not trying to make A list movies. The movies were turned into A list category because of the audience appreciation for mm-hmm. them, and then they became taken more seriously. But they were meant to be B films. Certainly. If you want to know where I got that piece of information, there's a huge documentary on the Indiana Jones box set that is all about the making of and the <laughs> the intent when they went in to make Raiders. So. 
He did, however, give two lists. He did. He thinks we should do a top five sci-fi television show list. That'd be fun. Which would be fun. And a top five composer list. So, like, film composers. So, here's what I'll say. is anyone who wants to send in a top five list, awesome. <coughs> I have made note of both of these lists. Um, I think it'd be really cool to get to both of them at some point. We have a couple lists, aside from me picking or Peter picking... We have this. We have a couple lists we planned out. Like we're gonna get to Christmas, and we're gonna want to do some Christmas-related stuff. Yeah. We have some end of the year stuff we want to do. We want to look. At, we want to do a list of like anticipated movies for 2019. We have like a Halloween list we want to plan out. So we do have a, a plan for some of these things. So if anyone wants to send a list out, great. We'll try and get to it. I'm not gonna say, hey, that's what we're doing next week. Um, we'll work on it and maybe look at it. But if anyone wants to send us lists, we love for it so yeah it's awesome uh, it, we could even maybe eventually do like twitter polls and stuff like we could hey guys vote for which list you want us to do next week and right stuff, here's so. something that could be kind of this is something i thought of that would be kind of cool if you go onto our website top five report.com there is a comment section for each episode on the website if anyone wants to play along they are more than welcome to post their own top fives to the list and if we see something that's really like Oh, I never thought about that. We'll mm-hmm. gladly read it on the show, that kind of thing. So, like, you can go per episode and type in your own top five list. So, we'll see if we get any traffic there. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, let's talk about our list for this week. Okay, yeah. So, I think... So, I picked this week's list category. And uh, the biggest reason, reason I picked it was doing top five network sitcoms last week. There was just a lot of shows that didn't make that list but that i wanted to talk about so that led me to pick uh our list of the top five our top five favorite adult comedy comedy animated series that's a mouthful but i think it's definitely very relevant and it's definitely a genre in itself so which i found this list very difficult fair enough and i found this list difficult because every time i (laughs) thought of a show i realized that wasn't a comedy (laughs) <laughs> there were so many adult animated series that I have liked over the years that I've been like, oh, that, no, that's not a comedy. See, oh, wait, that, that's not I a comedy. I want to do an adult action series or something. Oh, sure, point, that's so. that, that's easy. I could do that in my sleep. This was, like, took some real, like, Which digging. is funny because I thought this would be the easier of the two, so I'm <laughs> right. curious how this Well, goes I feel well. like with the adult animation stuff, I always look for the more serious yeah. as opposed to the comedy. Comedy tends to fall in line with the kids' stuff. Okay. So, and there's a couple shows... Um, so after a conversation with someone at work, uh, this did not make my list cause I ruled in my mind that it's not an adult show is regular show from Cartoon yeah. Network. It's technically geared towards kids, yeah. but it is very adult. So I didn't really know how to put I it think, anywhere. Yeah, that so. one skirts the line. It is definitely targeted towards kids, but it's secretly like the adult slacker comedy that we all <laughs> want to watch. So Exactly. So uh, regular show doesn't make at all here, but I just thought mm-hmm. I'd use that as an example of why I was having trouble with this list because there was a lot. Yeah. Like, like Invaders in Kids show, I think it's adult. Can't use it because of the yeah. guidelines of the list. So... And, and I think we should do a kids' cartoon series, um, whether yeah. we separate that we'll, into comedy and action, too. <laughs> we'll get to that. So, uh, do you want me to go first, since it was your pick? Yeah, uh, do you have any honorable mentions? I have one honorable mention. Okay. So, I didn't go for the full two, because I had a hard time making this list. So <laughs> Fair enough. My first honorable, my only honorable mention is C-Lab 2021. Nice. All right, now I'm not a huge fan of the show, but the reason this makes 
my honorable mention is because I always wanted to see this as a live action show. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> C-Lab 2020 is a kid's cartoon from back in the day. It was really bad animation in that Scooby-Doo sense of, like, the old school style <laughs> animation. And it was the scientists who live under the water and, you know, rescue fish and that kind of thing. Yeah. C-Lab 2021, they someone took the cartoon and read recorded all the lines and made the show very adult. <laughs> and it's really funny. But when I was watching C-Lab 2021, the adult version, I realized this should be a live action show about scientists <coughs> underwater, like basically an underwater Star Trek. Okay. I just thought of like, I know we had, back had in the day there was a show called Sequest, Sequest yeah. DSV or Deep Sea Vehicle. Yeah. Uh, which was fun, but I think it would be really cool to have a Reimagining of that, I guess. Oh, so, for like, sure. that's what that show made me think of. Like, oh, they need to do this nice. like live action. So okay. that's nice. why that movie makes my honorable mention. So I also had C Lab twenty twenty one as an honorable mention. So nice. It's pretty funny that history you mentioned about the uh, backstory for it um, being that it that the original animation came from an old Hanna Barbera cartoon. I had no idea that was the case. Oh, so really? I picked this for an honorable mention and was kind of just researching it. I found that out, and it just kind of blew my mind. Um, By the way, Hanna-Barbera has, and I'd like to, art, I, I'm going to lay this down and think about this over the next couple of weeks and see if I'm wrong. Hanna-Barbera, I think, has a larger original character library than Disney. I, I would believe it. Okay, and I only say that because Disney has all of their... They, you know, like Frozen came from a like a whole nother like it came from like uh, a Hans Christian Andersen story that they adapted and oh yeah you know, Robin Hood and Cinderella and Snow mm-hmm. White they all came from other stories that were adapted yeah so I so but Hanna Barbera had to crank out all this original content for sure so anyway um, go ahead oh do, another do you thing, have any other yeah I was just gonna say so when I think of obviously in the with this list um, Adult Swim. Uh, the network really comes to mind for a lot of these shows. And to me, back when Adult Swim first came about, C-Lab 2021 and Aqua Teen Hunger Force for me were just kind of the kings of, like, that. They were, like, the kings of Adult Swim. Those were, like, in my mind, the two big shows that really stood out to me. And I ended up going with C-Lab for an honorable mention just because some of the jokes from the show just really stuck with me more than Aqua Teen. Oh, sure. Even though Aqua Teen has great characters and is probably the more popular show. I just, some yeah, of the Aquatine jokes, like, definitely the more popular show. But. Some of the, like, the Grizzlebees bits on C-Lab and just some of the other stuff <laughs> just really still sticks in my mind. So. <laughs> right. Um, I also had another honorable mention, sure. which is uh, Metalocalypse. I don't, have you watched yes. this much? Or, um, if you guys are unfamiliar, Metalocalypse is basically a ridiculous show about, uh, a death metal band called Death Clock um, that's the most popular band in the world to detrimental circumstances in a lot of ways. Like, every time they perform in a city, multiple people die, if not, like, (laughs) worse uh, catastrophes. Um, And for me, this show is really... It came out while I was in college, and I just happened to be... um, 
on a uh, the right mindset basically the right mindset but also like i was really into metal and a lot of people on my dorm floor just happened to also be into metal and we'd all just kind of like meet up every week and collectively watch this show and crack up and it was just an amazing experience so it was a weird show i only watched a couple episodes but yeah i totally understand why you got it i totally understand why you like it um it was just it was definitely a weird show yeah for sure um and then also I mean, the animation and the imagery in the show is, like, pretty awesome, too. Like, there's a lot of crazy monsters and gore and (laughs) cool stuff to dig into with it. So, yeah. All right. Well, that brings me to my first actual pick of the night. Sounds great. Uh, My first pick is Dr. Katz, Professional (laughs) Therapist. Nice. I was hoping this would come up. Did you? (laughs) Okay. I didn't pick it, but I I thought it might come up. All right. Yeah, so Dr. Katz was a Comedy Central show. It was was Dr. Katz, Professional Therapist, and it was basically a show about a therapist. Mm -hmm. But... And the animation was like this really weird, squiggly, like everyone kind of shaked, like the way the animation was done. But he... If you love Dr. Katz, you'll love loving Vincent. <laughs> Anyways, keep going. <laughs> well, if anyone remembers the show Home Movies, mm-hmm. it was that same kind of art style. Um, and Home Movies was great, uh, but Dr. Katz, he... All of his patients were celebrities. So he was a professional therapist, but he had celebrities on all the time and one of my favorite jokes from the show and I used to watch it all the time it was such a great thing because it was a little bit about him and his kid and then the other half of the show was him in the office with his patient for the week mm-hmm. he had an episode I think he I think the celebrity was Stephen Wright who's a com who's a comedian and he was talking to him about the great depression that his family suffered through and Stephen Wright said well yeah we did have a great depression my grandparents lived in England and we never got used to the time change. <laughs> like, and that was a thinker joke. Like, yeah. it took me a really long time to understand why that was funny. And ever since I did, that's been one of my favorite jokes from that nice. show. <laughs> so, but no, I mean, it was very, it was very dry humor, very straight. You know, mm-hmm. when you watch, uh, when you watch a show like Everybody Loves Raymond, there's a lot of deadpan humor. Where someone will say a line, and then they kind of pause, like they'll have yeah. those deadpan like looks. That's kind of how Dr. Katz was in their style of animation, and yeah. a lot of the jokes you had to think, but they were it was hysterical. So This is a series that I would like to revisit, because I was so young when it came out, but I just I liked the aesthetic of it. I just A lot of the jokes I know just went over my head. I don't head. know if the show would hold up if you were to watch it today. That's I'm my other sure, concern. I'm sure some of it would, because it's along the lines of right. just old stand-up comedy bits and stuff sure. like that. So, But yeah. All right. I'd be curious. Okay. What's so, your first pick? Yes, my first pick is Drawn Together. Do you remember this show? Yes. Okay, so this is another Comedy Central show. Um, and this is a show that I just love the premise. Um, basically, the idea of it is you have a bunch of animated characters all coming from different styles and genres it's of animation. It's basically an animated real world. Yes, and they come under one one household to, be, to film a reality show. So you've got, like... The Bruce Tim slash uh, Max Fleischer superhero character. You've got a character like Betty Boop, SpongeBob, like an al- analog Pikachu, a video game character like Link. You've got like a character like a Hanna Barbera, Josie and the Pussycats type of thing, and a princess as well as a um, 
what's the last one? Oh, like a South Park sort of like pig character guy. And um, they were just kind of all really messed up versions of like <laughs> these animated tropes that we <laughs> that we've all grown up with and love. And uh, I don't know if there's a lot of a lot of the show premises would just be like such a character will get a, addicted to drugs or <laughs> such a certain character will right. like date a new person. But just the way they built these personalities and how they bounced off of each other. It was a really fun show. I just show. really enjoyed. Um, I didn't watch a lot of it, but it was a really yeah, funny show. It is the show I will say is wildly offensive. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I don't even know if some of the stuff on it they could get away with today, but I just really enjoyed everything about it. I guess. All right. So. <laughs> All right. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my next pick is South Park. Nice. Yeah, so South Park. I don't. I haven't watched South Park in a while, mm-hmm. so I'm definitely a few seasons behind. They're starting to get up there in their Simpsons numbers in terms of seasons. However, the show as a whole, it's a very very smart show. The writers, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, are so well read in terms of their pop culture stuff. So it doesn't matter what's happening in the world. They're going to throw it in the show or try and find a way to throw yeah. it in. Last week when we were doing sitcoms and I talked about Roseanne, about how when they were putting that show together, they were never afraid to talk about certain subject matters. Yeah. That's how I always felt South Park was. Yeah. They were they were never afraid. It didn't matter who they were making fun of. It didn't matter what subject they were talking about. If it's in the world, they're going to talk about it, and they're going to find some really absurd way of doing it, but they're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I bring this up is because, it, yes, it's a funny show, but when you look at the bare bones of it, it's a very smart, um, uh, adventurous show in terms of what they're trying to put on the screen. Yeah. And it, even in, even simply just informing viewers of things. Yeah. Satire is always a really good way of looking at the real world. Um when you look at the stuff that's going on in our current uh, politics and our current media and everything, this is a show that can take that, turn it on its head a little bit, and get you to laugh at it for just the slightest moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to be offended. And yeah, they're going to like twist your nerve and make you go, oh, I, that's not yeah. funny. No, I'm sorry, it is funny. And they found the exaggeration that makes it funny. Exactly. Everything is funny with the point of the exaggeration. You've <laughs> got to be able to find mm-hmm. it, and they do a great job doing it, and that's why it made my list. So so um, I actually matched South Park. South Park's great. on my, my <laughs> list as well. Um, and you're right. They do do a really good job of um, – they kind of make fun of everybody. Like there's nobody they won't kind of stand up to in the way they make fun of things, and it kind of points out how – both sides of an issue in a lot of cases are being ridiculous and uh, it helps to make you laugh at yourself or maybe laugh at the other side of an issue. But I think they're super relevant and just, uh, they have something to say about everything. Um, I, South Park came out when I was in middle school, I would say, or maybe a little younger. And I loved it at the time because it was so edgy and just so like. Right, and it, your it parents was are like, "I don't want you edgy, watching that." Offensive like, cartoon. <laughs> and then I reached a point where I thought I was too mature for South Park. Like, oh, South Park, that was cool when I was in fourth grade. But sure. now I'm into more adult sure. stuff. So then, at some point in college, I ended up just catching a random episode and just laughing so funny because of how genius I thought it was that they were poking fun at some of these issues and some of these concepts that I didn't even get when I was a kid. And um, I think the show is the best when it 
does both really intellectual, like, societal commentary while also throwing in, you know, poop and fart jokes and stuff like right. that. So, um, <laughs> right. I, I'm pretty behind on the show, too. Like, I haven't watched a lot of the recent seasons. I know a couple years ago, I guess, all their shows were focusing on online trolls, which I think sounds awesome, so I need to catch up on that. Yeah. But, uh, my fa- I think my favorite episode <laughs> is the World of Warcraft episode. <laughs> yeah, that's a great uh, one. It's probably one of the best episodes they've ever done. But that being said, the South Park movie... Mm. is amazing it is probably one of the best animated movies period mm. um not just the fact that it's it's also a musical but like just <laughs> subject matter the way they handled like it was just it's yeah. just so good i can't i i could keep giving that show praise but mm-hmm. um um have you seen uh drew i know you like skiing stuff have you ever seen the episode where they go to the ski resort uh, yes. Okay, that's probably my favorite the one. Pizza, French fries, and yeah, exactly. Okay. Pizza, French fries, and it ends up being this ridiculous parody of like every '80s movie you've ever seen, <laughs> where for some reason this random '80s bully guy starts picking on Stan for no reason, right. and then some girls like in lo- some like you know '80s like movie babe girl is also in love with Stan, and you can't I have figure this, out why. <laughs> I have this weird. Um, uh, uh, affection for skiing movies mm-hmm. any movie that has skiing in it so like i've seen i think i'm um, like everyone i'm like oh that movie's got skiing in it i should watch it so i've seen a lot of really bad 80s ski movies so yeah <laughs> <You're> right <on. laughs> that that episode really made me laugh um all right so since you picked south park we got three left um so since we're on south park in terms of innovation i'm gonna give you the simpsons great um, I wasn't originally going to pick this because I feel like it's kind of like a, a gimme, like, oh, the Simpsons <laughs> is going to be on yeah. this list. But this brought me down to the Sim- we don't get the cartoons today that we have if the Simpsons didn't exist. Yeah. They really did pave the way for everything to come, whether it be Family Guy or whether it be, you know, American Dad or Archer or Rick and Morty or, you know, we talked about you know, Sea Lab or South Park. We don't get any of those shows without The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. And I know that The Simpsons are kind of, they're still around for, you know, I mean, it's kind of, kind of a cultural icon at this point. And I wonder yeah. if that's why they're keeping them on the air. But, I mean, they have gone on their ups and downs. But, you know, that's why I chose The Simpsons for my list. Yeah, so. I, I also picked The Simpsons. Um, it is a gimme, like you said, but it's such a, like, you can't make this list without picking it. Like, it's just so... For people who were like grew up in the '80s and '90s, it's just such a big like culture, cultural like touchstone for all of us. I I feel like The Simpsons probably did a lot to craft my sense of humor as well as my personality. Just how much of it I watched, how much of an impact it had on everything, not right. as much TV, and it's just a really. It's also in, it's just as well read as South Park. It's exactly, very, like yeah. they'll they'll talk about anything. So mm-hmm. and there's. It's well read in the sense of you look in the background of The Simpsons, you find jokes, and there's just all sorts, so much put into it that it's just, it's a really good show. So (laughs) so a quick funny story is our mom, uh, our parents never let us watch Simpsons Mm -hmm. when it first came out. Like, no, that's, you shouldn't be watching that as an adult thing. It's not good for kids, that kind of thing. And then our mom told me that she was reading some book with this author it was like a religious book about family values and that kind of thing. And this yeah. author spent like a handful of chapters praising the Simpsons <laughs> 
as a show for being even though they do weird stuff on the Simpsons and they're trying to make a joke and they're trying to like you know they make fun of things and that kind of stuff yeah at the end of the day it's a core family television show and they always come back and the Simpsons are the core family structure mm-hmm. that they should be and so she reads this book and then she comes and tells me about it and she apologizes to me for not letting <laughs> us watch The Simpsons when we were younger. I mean, which made me laugh. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of a jokes on her because we watched Simpsons all the time when we were younger. It was <laughs> right. just if she, like if uh, our mom walked in the room and we were watching The Simpsons, she'd tell us to turn it off. She'd walk out of the room. We'd turn, turn it back, back on. on so. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, the idea, you know, I thought that was a really interesting point yeah. in having apologizing for not letting me watch something she should have let me watch all along. You for know. sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So for my next pick is The Critic. Okay, nice. Do you know this show? Yeah, I, uh, yeah. All right, so The Critic, if you don't know this show, this is an older show. I don't remember what network it aired or not. I want to say it's Comedy Central, but I could be wrong. It was John Lovitz played a movie critic, Mm -hmm. and he had a review show. So half of the show was him dealing with his, you know, his daughter and the family stuff that went on, and then he'd have... The other half of the show was he worked in the industry and was a film critic. Yeah. And they reviewed some of the most ridiculous movies. Like, they <laughs> reviewed Home Alone 5. Um, and I, um, I'm i home... And it was... Macaulay Culkin has left Home Alone, and he's 25. <laughs> so, but, I mean, they kind of thought ahead, like, ooh, hey, this would be a funny movie. And, like, they would... It was, it was such a funny show, but it was in the vein of... A Simpsons or South Park where they would take the pop culture and work it in somehow and exactly. I mean as a critic he hated all movies like he like it, <laughs> it, it, it stinks was his big you know thing um, and I, when I was trying to build my list I was like what adult shows do I like and then I saw a critic sitting on my shelf because I have the whole set on DVD <laughs> nice. and I'm like oh my gosh I haven't watched that in forever yeah so um, I yeah. mean you you describing the critic. Um, one thing is it makes me wonder if it influenced Seth MacFarlane at all because that was like like that Home Alone five joke is like a Family Guy. It could have. Like, I mean, they had a joke. whole episode where he met this girl that is like his dream girl, but so he spends part of the episode ripping on the Barney like movie that they were uh, talking about on his television show, and <laughs> okay. then he meets this girl. And they start going on dates and stuff, and then he finds out that she's the actress that's in the costume on the Barney <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I don't know if I could be with her now that I said that, but he's also concerned that she saw his review, so he, she's going to break up with him mm-hmm. because of it. You know, it was just, they were really smart about doing weird things like that. So. Yeah. I remember the Critic came, like, it was on TV when I was really young as well, and I remember really wanting to like it, and I liked it a- enough, but... I know a lot of the sort of dating jokes, like you said, and a lot of the movie jokes even went over my head as a kid, but I'd love to revisit the show because I bet it's just whole. And this like conversation is making me want to go and rewatch the credits. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so uh, maybe we'll have to do that later. Awesome. So um, yeah, go ahead. What's yeah, I got a, I get to say one finally. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, no, it's all good. I mean, we matched a lot. So uh, the next one on my list is Clerks. So. I'm a big uh, Kevin Smith fan. Like I, I really wanted to put this on my list, yeah. by the way, but I struggled because it's six episodes. That's exactly. <laughs> so this is a very short show. Um, I have it, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I, I own it as well. It's it's only six episodes, like Drew said, but it's 
I just like, like, I love the Clerks movie and just having it in kind of a more imaginative animated form. I really appreciate that, too. Um, I like that they tried it. It just kind of sucks that it didn't go any farther than the six episodes. Yeah, it does suck. There is still, like, jokes from the show that I've still heard used just talking to friends and stuff. Like, people just saying randomly, is it safe? (laughs) And then that (laughs) random pause after that. um, (laughs) Stuff like that. So I do understand what you're saying. It's short-lived, but... It's just a show I enjoyed enough that I wanted to put on the list, um, yeah. just for continuing. And if you don't know the Clerks television show, it's and think of think of Clerks the movie, and it's exactly that. So. <laughs> it's exactly that, except they do ridiculous stuff like make a uh, sort of. It's definitely weirder than infinitely the movie, big mall next door to the Clerks show, yeah, and stuff like that. Um, Two, like, really genius things that I think the show did was, one, the very second episode of the show, they did a clip episode showing clips from the first episode, which I just think (laughs) the whole concept is ridiculous and awesome. And then, uh... I always... You know what's funny is we always roll our eyes when we're, like, watching, like, a comedy, like, a Friends episode, and they're gonna do a clip show, and people are like, oh, it's a clip show. (laughs) Yeah. They're always really good. (laughs) So... And then, uh... Oh, I was just going to say, like, one of the other jokes that really stands out to me is uh, there's this joke that's kind of uh, Seth MacFarlane-esque, as in it shows a random clip. It might have been something they were watching on TV, but it's a Flintstones version of the Holocaust. I don't know if you remember this or not, but I don't. it's essentially a bunch of Holocaust victims getting in Flintstones world, getting loaded onto a train to go to a concentration camp. <laughs> so after they're all loaded onto, a tr- onto the train all their feet drop from the train and they have to push the, the train themselves to go to the camp. So it's, it's a really horrible joke, but it's just so funny that, I don't know, it just is memorable. And that sounds, and that sounds like something Kevin Smith Exactly, do, so. exactly. All right, well, we're down to final picks. Yeah. So my final pick is kind of a cheat. Fair enough. But I'm going to tell you it's not a cheat. And, I'm gonna, and the reason I say that is because you can buy the DVDs and it's on Netflix. Okay. It's a web series, Red versus Blue. I, I would allow that. For okay. Sure. I was thinking about it. I'm like, he's not going to let me pick this because it's a web series, but you can buy the DVDs. It's on Netflix, like I said. This is a show based around the Halo video games. Uh, if you don't know it, it's I, I'm, I'm a huge Halo fan. That's basically my go-to video game. I can go play anything I want, and Halo is eventually going to end up back in my Xbox. Mm-hmm. But... Someone decided to take the Halo games and they realized they could make cartoons with the footage and have done so. And they've been running for, I think they're on like season 14 right now. Yeah. They've been running forever. And it's, there's moments where it's like, um, it's like cry your eyes hysterical. (laughs) And then there's moments where it's like super serious. More so on the funny. Yeah. But it's, it's almost like this is what military training would be if you had no... Military would be if you had no training. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's fantastic and the characters are great and these guys just on their own in their basement started recording this stuff and yeah. putting it together. I mean, I, I really enjoyed Red vs. Blue. Actually, when I was uh, curating my list, I didn't remember the show, but then I thought of it actually this as- afternoon and I was hoping that it would be brought up because I really enjoyed it. And then also what you said about the guys just making it in their basement, that's one of the best parts about the show is it's kind of punk rock in the way of anybody with an Xbox and a VCR yeah, could and have you, started and you can making tell, you can the same tell thing. That they, 
if you watch the show from beginning to current, yeah, you can see the evolution of how it went from like not just the old school video game graphics to the new school stuff, but how yeah. they eventually evolved their filmmaking if you watch for things. <laughs> what I thought was funny about the old school filmmaking graphics is when they go from Halo 1 graphics to Halo 2 to 3, whatever, they explain the increase in graphics, yeah. which is so funny. <laughs> so, which is, it's hysterical how they like, you know, I don't know if I would have thought of that mm-hmm. writing it. I'm like, how would we explain the graphics change? <laughs> nice. Um, oh, and then another thing is that, uh, I don't know if it's the specific group of guys, but it's Rooster Teeth is the company that yeah. created Red vs. Blue. They've kind of gone on to create, to make their own empire where they have yeah, multiple TV they shows. They have a lot of shows. And, mm-hmm. I haven't watched many of them, but mm-hmm. they have their whole, like, Rooster Teeth network, exactly. basically. I know they made a, uh, Ruby, which is kind of an anime parody, but has actually gotten a lot of respect from the anime community. Right. And they've got a bunch of other shows under their wings, so it's pretty yeah. sweet. Well, what do you got for me for last pick? Sweet. And for my last pick, I have Futurama. So nice. I was the way I set my list up, I was saving Simpsons and Futurama for last just because they're my favorite. But uh, Futurama, I think as I grew older, just kind of ended up sticking with me more than The Simpsons. I love these characters. I think every Futurama episode, there's at least once or twice that can get me just cracking up hysterically. Um, I don't know what necessarily to say. I just think it's a really funny show. I think uh, I love that it has the sci-fi futuristic aspect to it. They can kind of really do anything. (laughs) I don't know. Do you have anything to say? Um... No, not really. Futurama. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Futurama a while back because exactly. we talked about when Disenchantment started. Yeah. Uh, on Netflix, Futurama. My original response was, "Oh, it's not The Simpsons." But looking <laughs> back, it's it's really funny. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, I don't really. I don't know what to add because yeah. we talked about it before. But exactly. yeah, no, it's a great show. So nice. All right, so do you want to know what we're doing next week? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so here's the pick for next week. We established some rules on the podcast um, about different types of lists. So when we do a list of top five animated adult comedies or top five Spielberg movies, there's no ranking order, Mm -hmm. right? It's just these are my favorites, and there's no particular order. I just like these five. Yeah. If I had to pick five, these are the ones I like. But I said that if we did do a year, we have to rank them, treat them like the Oscars, and actually pick a favorite, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This is my absolute favorite for the year. So we're going to jump in the Wayback Machine, and we're going to go take a look at a specific year. Now, okay. my pick for the year, I did not, I, I'm very honest when I say this, I did not go look anything up yet. I have not even looked at who won the best picture for that year. <laughs> what I did do is try to pick a year that I couldn't think of a movie that came out in that year at all. Like if Fair I said, enough. hey, if someone said, hey, what came out in this year? I don't know if I could pick a movie. I don't even think I could name a movie. So that's why I'm choosing this year. I thought it'd be kind of fun to kind of look at that. So we're going to do, we're going to jump in the Wayback Machine and we're going to go to 2003 and we're going to pick our top five favorite movies from 2003. Okay. 2003. Yeah, so 2003. So next week, and you have to rank them. So it's going to be what's your number five pick, what's your number two pick, so on and so on. Like, this is an actual ranking. So think about that when you're constructing your list. (laughs) Did Spider-Man 2 come out in 2003? Spider-Man 2 came out in 2002. 
Okay. So I just I couldn't th- <laughs> I, I could not think at all of what came out in 2003. So enough. I couldn't think of one movie. So I'm gonna actually I will go look up and find out what it. When we do a year, at the very least, if it doesn't make any of our lists, it doesn't have to. I'm always gonna try and find out what the best picture of that year was. So I'll look that yeah. up all the time. That way, oh hey, we're doing 2015. What was the best picture that year? Oh hey, we're doing 1989. What was the best picture? Yeah. So I'll always give you that. Even if it doesn't make a list, that way people have a bearing on what we're doing. So I was like, oh, that year, I remember that. <laughs> you <laughs> so. can pick your list a very easy way by just picking the best picture nominees from that year. Um, just I kidding. Could. Well, hey, we could do a list of top five best pictures. <laughs> That's true. So um, <laughs> sadly, Star Wars could not be on that list. Star Wars Episode Four <laughs> famously lost the Best Picture award to Annie Hall, so <laughs> in 1977. So anyway, 2003 it has to be ranked, and we all know who which movie is more remembered. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, I think we did it, right? Another episode in the bag. Yeah. All right. Cool. So uh, before we close out, just a quick housekeeping: if you want to uh, interact with us on the show, uh, feel free to email us at top5report at gmail.com. If you'd like to uh, like us on Facebook, uh, at Top 5 Report, follow us on Twitter, at Top 5 Report. This is all written out, too. The five is not the number. It's Top 5 Report, written out as is. Um, if, Like I said earlier, if you wanted to comment and play along with us and send in your top fives, you can go into the comment section per episode and list your top fives. So I mm-hmm. can you know, monitor that, too. If you have lists of your own that you want to send in for us to discuss, like I said, we'll be making a kind of a list of top fives that listeners send in, and maybe we'll pull them out of the bag and whatnot. So um, in closing, uh, if you want to follow me uh, personally, I'm Drew at 39, sorry, on Twitter, I'm Drew3927, and Instagram as well, Drew3927. Peter, um, anything? Yeah, just you can look me up on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and um, I've got my Instagram and some art stuff sometimes linked there. So, cool, Ryan. Anything you're just gonna nod? Cool, as always. <laughs> All right, great. Well, everyone, have a good night, and we'll see you next week. All right.